following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. Hi, I'm Paul! Ah! Cheer me! Shout out to anyone who understands that reference. Major shout out. Lord! Oh, Sorry. Jimbo, look at this duck. <laughs> this duck is great. What was the one thing where it was like all the grown-ups like, oh, 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 caribou? <laughs> you remember that? Not right the moment it came out. I was like, yeah. Like uh, I, I don't I don't know it's specific, but yeah I I just remembered it. Well, I'll say this much: I'm dude two Joe. I'm not Paul. Although Paul is my middle name, actually, so there is that. He is JPD. It sounds like a cool like stereo system or like a like a like a beginning of like uh, the name of a of like a automotive piece. Like oh, I got the I got the JPDs hooked in at the at the front of the motor. Uh, no, I, I feel like it's like a cop show. JPD Blue or JPD New Orleans. <laughs> JPD. Uh, uh, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're coming, we're coming to get you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but. Anyway. Yeah. How are you doing, by the way? Uh, JPD Police Department of. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I resigned from my post because, you know, stuff happened. But anyway, no, that was, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But. I actually had a pretty fantastic day, honestly. I was not expecting it to be this fantastic. So Well, it's th- it started off pretty well from what you've told me. Yeah. So so basically my you know what what one of the big hot coveted items right now is the new Xbox Series X. The Series X specifically, and my brother's been wanting it. He's been an Xbox fan basically basically his whole life you know as far as like he could start gaming essentially like he had the original xbox he's had the 360 he's had xbox one um and he really wants to get he want really wanted to get the series x and it's anybody who's tried to get this thing could tell you it's very difficult to find one like because bots and like scalpers they're they're out there trying to get this thing on that note scalpers are like the worst kind of people like, I'm sorry. It just it's it grinds my gears a little bit. So no, no, no. Yeah, they they can be. You know, it, it's 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 yeah. Especially like if you're a collector too. You know, like if you're a collector, you you're into pop culture and like there's so many great, cool like little things that are being released. Like and you the opportunity to get it is taken away from you because people like scalpers. And you know the companies don't care that much because they're still making money from selling these things. So in any case, um, you know, I, I, have been trying to pay attention to like the stock of the, of the Xbox series X. And this morning I looked at my phone. They said there was something in target in stock. I looked and it was at a target about a half hour away from us. 
and I got my brother an Xbox Series X, and he's currently probably enjoying it right now. He was very, very pleased um, to just to uh, to have that. So, yeah, high marks right there, like number one big brother moment right there. For sure, it it was uh, I was very happy, you know, because I know he's he's wanted it, you know, and it's it's like again, it's such a difficult item to pick up, like because I I mentioned the bots, and you know what it felt like? It felt like like Godzilla versus Kong, where Kong rips off like Mecha Godzilla. It felt like I was <laughs> defeating the bots. Honestly, it felt pretty satisfying. This like, it was great. I'm just I'm just picturing you in the middle of Target, like holding the Xbox up and then roaring, and everyone's just staring at him, like, "What is happening?" And then they look and they go, "Right on, you get it, brother." Yeah, get it, it. it it was. <laughs> yeah, but it was. I think the most stressful was like when the order was processing because they didn't tell you that they yeah. could, you could pick it up immediately. So I, we had to wait, you know, probably about an hour. And I'm like, "Come on." Come on, don't flake out on me. That's always the worst part. Like, I remember I was trying to get a PS5 a couple of times. And, like, I would be in the, the cart with the item, with the PS5. I'd be I'd be ready to check out. And then immediately it'd be, like, processing, processing, processing. And, like, like 30 minutes later they would say, oh, we're out of stock. And it's, yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's not. But... Mike's, Mike has that. I also saw Dr. Feehan today, the incomparable Dr. Feehan. Um, you know, good to see him. Uh, it was just sort of a last-minute spur-of-the-moment thing. We were supposed to see each other the next day, but I have other work that I, I was putting off today because of the celebration of the Xbox, essentially. So today was a good day for Feehan to come over, watch some videos. We watched Defunct Land, and they, they... I don't know if you ever watched Defunct Land, but, you know, they talk about, like, you know... Uh, closed theme park attractions and he's basically you know he does a lot of really interesting stuff on his channel check it out but he did a a, a video about a specific like theme park food called the handwich i saw a thumbnail for that no pun intended <laughs> it was like a like a cooking show uh, making the handwich and i'm like i kind of want to try to do this now you know so i think at some point i definitely want to try to make one so um, yeah, that's all about how I have to say. How about you? I can't say I, ha I had as great of a day as that. <laughs> Admittedly, that sounds like a pretty fun day. But I'm doing all right. Next week is um, going to be one of my sort of like, I guess you could say bigger weeks because my parents are going to be in Florida that whole week. And so I'm literally just going to be in the house by myself. But... I've decided to take the opportunity to use that time to finish my Fast and Furious video, which uh, I think I, I if if I if I had my way, I would have liked to have gotten it out before Fast Nine, just to like get that correlation. But I think even after Fast Nine, will be fine anyway. But so I, I do have that plan. So stay tuned. Because, like, there is one, I will say this, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but there is one full scene that I did and edited, and that's done. Nice. So, um, and you saw it, because I shared it with you. I did, yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. So you know it's real. You know it's coming. The, 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 fast, the fast Richard cut is coming. <laughs> yeah, folks, uh, I, I'm very, very excited for, for this upcoming video, though. Like, it's... 
you know, Richard always puts out something interesting. He always has something interesting to say. Yeah, interesting to say. But uh, I try. I try. I mean, you know, <laughs> we we uh, to quote to quote uh, to quote Rick Blaine in Casablanca. We all try. You succeed. Appreciate it. I, I succeed in, in in speaking my mind. It doesn't necessarily mean I succeed in you know, backlash. I'm sure. <laughs> like what you said this about this movie. Do we have that much like, of an audience to get <laughs> backlash? I mean, I, not in the past, on like my my own YouTube channel, I've had. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. You mean you'd, not, you'd, not on you'd, ours? You'd, yeah. you'd be big enough to do that, sure. Yeah, yeah. Quote unquote. Other than that, um, I did get pretty excited because this week, um, one of my favorite shows on Netflix got a Blu-ray release. It's the Umbrella Academy, Ooh. and I got it on Amazon. So it came it came today in the mail, which was nice. Did it come? Uh, did it come in good condition? Because I know sometimes Amazon with packages. Yeah, it's, it's it came out in pretty good condition. The only downside is that the artwork on the bottom on the back of it has got a little rip on it. But I think that was just a manufacturer thing, not. Not an Amazon shipping thing, right? It doesn't have any bonus features, so it's just the show, but, you know, I'm just happy to have the show, Yeah, admittedly. Though I would like if they would have shown, like, the making of process, but, you know, whatever. Um, And I also got um, a new, uh, you know, Batman. (laughs) That's not new for me at all. Um, I got, oh god, it's tangled on my headphones. Not that it matters, because this is a podcast. <laughs> so I don't really have to show anybody anything. Um uh DC released a new animated movie um which is a adaptation of The Long Halloween which is like one of my favorite Batman stories. And it's one of the few Batman stories that's like a genuine like film noir like detective kind of story. And I mean it was it's one of those books that most everybody will just say that they love even if they're not massively into Batman. It's just one of those things. Um, it was even the basis primarily for uh, the Dark Knight, as far as like the narrative is concerned. Mm-hmm. Outside of like the Joker stuff is more a different story, but like everything with Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon, Bruce Wayne, and sort of those three kind of central characters that comes from Long Halloween. But they decided to adapt it into an animated movie, um, and uh, it's going to be in two parts. So part one came out this week and then part two comes out at the end of july i i was expecting to think it was good but not great maybe or like just a th- or like if they missed the mark i was gonna not like it all that much but i was surprised at how much i ended up actually liking it so it actually turned out to be a pretty good uh thing and i'm excited for the second half and i i really want to see where it all goes it's very slow burn actually which is different for like a superhero thing or even like a batman thing like, it's got action scenes and stuff, but it's mostly characters mm. and, like, the mystery and stuff. So, that was a lot of fun. Um, so, that was pretty much the highlights of what I've done. <laughs> that, that's that's good. That's good. I mean, it's always nice when one of those, like, direct-to-DVD, like, direct-to-Blu-ray animated movies is a good one. That's always a treat. It really is. Especially, like, with how sort of, like, up and down they can be because like sometimes you get like something like genuinely great you're like wow but you know it is it is what it is and i'm, I'm at least i'm happy that people are, are making them you know at least yeah. so oh yeah for for sure beyond that though beyond that surprisingly we're not talking about batman this week for our show <laughs> i we i we might mention it again later but you know we will mention but... that Bat- batman will be mentioned 
Maybe more, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> more so than you think. <laughs> but no, this this week is another one of those episodes where we wanted to sort of, because obviously on the show we we try to talk about two separate movies and then that's it. But periodically we've been deciding to focus on like one specific series of movies. Whether like obviously we did our Star Wars episode, which Joey to this day is tor- is tormented like mentally by and I, I i feel for him every time listen i'm just gonna say it right now if you're trying to do a bit uh, like a binge of all the two dudes episodes just keep in mind that the star wars episode is four hours long if you're if you're going on a long trip maybe that one's a good one yeah if you're going on a long trip and you want to hang out with us for that long which i don't want to hang out with me for that long. i don't even <laughs> want to hang out with me right now i'm like i want to get out of my own skin <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. But uh, be, uh, be, beyond that, um, we felt these three movies needed to be talked about together. We had a similar episode um, a few months ago with the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Where we talked about mm-hmm. all three of the How to Train Your Dragon movies. We are also going to have a similar episode at the end of this season. Uh, we're not going to say what that is, but. If you know us, oh. you might be able to guess. That's all I'll say. Yeah. What I can what I can say this is is, is if you know me, this is definitely a a, a Joe Dinny Dan pick. Mm-hmm. Not that not that doesn't not to imply at all that I I am not okay with this because I I'm thoroughly thoroughly down obviously to talk about these movies. Um, so so but but without further ado, we're gonna get started and our first film of the evening or whenever you're listening to this morning you know brunch lunch on the toilet on the toilet it's okay you know if you're doing that that's fine that's fine in the shower but you know make sure the you know whatever you're using is covered so you don't get it wet unless it's waterproof then well who cares uh, we're not encouraging you to to take take your phone into the shower but we are encouraging we are encouraging you to watch the 2011 blockbuster science fiction reboot Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We are very much encouraging that. Yes, yes, we 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 do. Uh, we're we're both fans of this one. Um, but context, I think, is important behind this because I think we come from two very different perspectives when it comes to Planet of the Apes. I am even before this trilogy, I was a huge Planet of the Apes fan. I love the original films. The original film I would put is like one of my ten favorite movies. I love the characters. I love the universe. I love apes in general. I have the animated show and the live action show on DVD. I have the the original novel. I bought the original novel from the Folio Society, which if you don't know they are, they're very expensive books. Like very expensive looking, very nice books. Because I'm I'm just a big Planet of the Apes fan. Like if Joey had his own house and he had he he would and he didn't need a coffee table, he would buy one simply to put that book on the coffee table. And I have another Planet of the... I have, a, I have a couple... I think I have a handful of Planet of the Apes books that are kind of like that, that would kind of be coffee table. Uh, like have like a little stack with like a candle, but like far away, not next to it. You don't want to... No. We are not encouraging you to put candles next to books. Please don't do don't that. Don't do that. Don't uh, do that. But, and, but uh, from, at least from your perspective, your end of things, I, I would not describe you as a Planet of the Apes fan. No, not... Like it's, it's more from a place of just, um, just lack of knowledge like not lack of interest i've always known about them and i've always seen like images and like clips and obviously 
those movies are played a lot in other movies as well. Like, you know, in a, you know, like in a movie when a character is watching something on TV or in a movie theater, sometimes it'll be like something famous or something old or something completely made up. Planet of the Apes is a movie that tends to get um, used in that context a lot. Like, obviously, I, the first thing I think of is Argo. Ben Affleck's character is watching Planet of the Apes and that gives him the idea to do the whole fake movie thing to get those people out of, um, you know, trying to hide in that country, in uh, Iran, I believe. Yeah, yeah. specifically they're watching Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which was the last of the Apes sequels, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to talk about that one later just because it relates to our films. But Rise of the Planet of the Apes, so uh, this makes me think of, like, like, the Batman series in a way because, you know, you had, like, in between um, Batman and Robin and Batman Begins, there was a, 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 a semi-lengthy period of time, you know, a couple years where they didn't make, you know, a big budget, didn't make a big budget Batman movie. And then for Apes, it was kind of similar where 2001, Planet of the Apes came out, okay? It made money, the Tim Burton reboot we talked about. It made money. It was a success, but it wasn't like a critical darling at all. It was, you know, it got it didn't get the best reviews, and you know it was kind of a weird production. So that didn't ha- that didn't turn into a franchise. But in 2011, we did get this movie, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which just d- basically summarized. This is effect- effectively sort of like a reboot prequel, where this yeah. is this is not a remake of the original Charlton Heston film where Charlton Heston lands on a planet with talking apes. That's not what this movie is. This movie is is set, you know, somewhat close to our modern contemporary times or, or, or whatnot. I think I was reading somewhere, I think it takes place like 2008 or something like that. I, I wouldn't know. Well, whatever. whatever. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, so they're, deve- they're trying to develop an, uh, a drug to cure Alzheimer's called ALZ-112. And they test it on chimpanzees because, you know, because their DNA and their their closeness to humans and it improve and not only like makes them, you know, it it really just improves them overall. They become lack of a better word. They become smarter, basically, and they're able to accomplish more tasks and all that Uh, through a series of events, though, there is a baby born of like the first test subject. That baby is named Caesar. This is our central character our of central, the whole story. Yeah, our central character. And he, he's raised by humans. He knows nothing but love at first in his life. Just hum, like humans are good people. You know, he, he knows the good side of humanity. But, um, you know, eventually he's kind of, he's kind of questioning things about his, about his life. You know, like why, like if he can like communicate, like because he communicates through sign language. If he can communicate and all that, why is he being held on a leash? Why are there other restrictions on him as a, as opposed to others? And why is he, you know, why, why is he treated the way he's treated? And then through another series of events, um, he is, you know, that he is captured. He has to be captured and brought to an ape sanctuary where he's kind of reality sort of smacks him in the face. And he gets to see how other apes in captivity live and then uh, one thing leads to another, and then he starts uh, a revolution to escape to the forest. <laughs> revolution! Might have been a little wordy, but I think there's a lot of important events that happen. <laughs> I, I think you covered the bases. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's the movie. It's, 
I, I liken it to like the first half is Curious George and the second half's like the great escape. <laughs> Essentially. I mean yeah, I guess you could say I guess you could say that. Yeah. Though we would probably need a better um man with the yellow hat admittedly which we talked about when we were watching it james franco is like the the human lead of the movie and Mm -hmm. he's been you know um why am i why 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 i've been um why what i why am i forgetting the word um accused there's accused of misconduct um in various in uh, various situations he's in the movie so you know what 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 more likely not going to talk about him all that much plus this is this is caesar's story so we're going to focus on him primarily anyway so but just know we're very aware of that yeah so just that that out of the way um you know like expectations for this movie i feel like for from a lot of people were pretty low considering where we last left the planet of the apes movies that's i'm in that camp 100 percent. i mean again not not coming from any sort of perspective of any dissatisfaction with that franchise or that IP or brand or whatever. Um, it's just I think because the the, the two thousand one one movie came out when I was like eleven, like twelve, somewhere around there, and like I, I had some interest in it just from like the toys standpoint because I you know the toys are cool. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, um. I just was like, you know, uh, whatever. And then this one was coming out, and I remember seeing a trailer for it and just thinking, because when you think of Planet of the Apes, you think of like the like the the production value, you think of like the elaborate costumes and like the civilization, the society that they built, and like you think like you have a certain image that puts in your head, but you see that and it looks like you know everyday life, like it looks normal, I guess. But I but um, that trailer, I guess for me, didn't really sing sing too much like i I just looked at it i was like "Eh, it it looks kind of dumb if i'm being honest i was um pleasantly surprised though thankfully pleasantly surprised seeing it in theaters when it came out yeah like so there was definitely i I feel like if you weren't like i i was personally very excited you know as a planet of the apes fan i'm like wow there's gonna be a new one of these coming out was it was it mostly from like kind of that standpoint of being an apes fan or did it like look genuinely like exciting i think both i think both because I was also, both? Okay. I think I, I genuinely thought like some like the the Golden Gate Bridge stuff that they had in the trailer looked really cool. I liked mm-hmm. the idea that they looked like real apes. I mean, because I love 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 John Chambers makeup artistry in the original films, and I love of course Rick Baker's stuff in the in the reboot, but in the remake. But you know, it was just kind of a cool like different approach. And then I of course heard that Andy Serkis was going to be in it, and for a lot of people, you know, that's Gollum, but for me, that's King Kong. And I'm like, wow, King mm-hmm. Kong's going to be playing another another gorilla, another, well, another you know, another monkey, basically, you know, other ape. Uh, <laughs> Let's be, get that ape tech- ape action going. To be uh, technically correct, but yeah, so he's playing another ape, and it looked, I thought it looked uh, pretty cool. And you know, I saw I saw the movie three times in theaters, and it was mm-hmm. also like one of the la- one of the other times I saw it was the was the first time I ever saw a movie in a theater by myself, and it was just one of those like. Um, movies that I knew I just immediately loved it like it was um it was everything that I could have wanted but it, it also I also admired it especially years later for the things that it doesn't do right 
but I also want I also want to hear your thoughts um, when you first saw this one. It was really just kind of a spur of the moment thing. I think there was motivation from the fact it was getting better reviews than I expected it to be, and again, I was like, you know, it could be good. You know, who 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 knows? But I think what what immediately took me by surprise was just like how much care because like it starts off like admittedly like you know there's a whole opening scene when um the poachers are taking the apes to be used in the lab for the alz 112 testing at gen at genesis right it's the lat yeah genesis yeah. Or, or whatever it's called gen yeah. genesis and but once like they get to the caesar stuff and you're able to like get into the the fold of it and you see like the the sort of rising sort of seeing him grow up and and it really sort of changed a lot because like i'm just sitting there and watching it and i'm like i'm intrigued but i'm not like entirely interested but then when caesar comes around i'm like totally invested and i'm i'm getting really interested and and seeing his story and seeing like it's something kind of like exciting and then of course the stuff with john lithgow i thought was really heartbreaking admittedly because again you know his character goes through alzheimer's and you don't and and again like outside of a few examples you don't really see like that kind of like level of drama applied to like pop culture necessarily without the flashiness or like a big budget like that's actually a really good point i never thought about it like that you almost forget that you're watching a movie about talking apes a little bit like like at least you know at the time there's sign like it's sign language but but like as we've said before when you have that level of care and wanting to like present the story a certain way and you want to you want people to fall in love with these characters it doesn't it you it doesn't matter how it looks sometimes so it was just nice just how emotional and how dramatic things were without seeming like cheesy it was just really different than what I expected it to be. And just seeing Caesar's journey from when he was a baby to being um, five, I guess he's five years old by the end of the movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And just kind of seeing that, that transition of that character and to see, a, and to see like something like that, where like, like a, like a CGI created character can, can portray that much depth, which I mean, you get the help from a Andy Serkis's performance and the motion capture that you're able to do that. I don't know. It's just it was it was all so surprising, and I remember the part that I like was I the moment I knew I fell in love with the movie was I think a lot of people will say this is the the no scene mm. when when they're when he's in the uh, sanctuary essentially, and um, Draco Malfoy Tom Felton in case you know um, is essentially like attacking him or he was being like led into the the sanctuary or whatever and um he has this like cattle prod he keeps shocking the apes with because you know he's a jerk in the movie as he is in the harry potter movies so i'm glad he's broken out of that typecasting on that note um and then like he takes a swing at him and he says the you know the, obviously the famous line like get your paws off me you're damn dirty ape and then like there's this build-up and then the camera pans down, and it, it gives that beautiful hero shot, and then Caesar just goes, No! And the sound immediately goes away. And, that you, was, and you, just, you, just sit, you just sit in complete awe about what you just saw. I, I was, I, I'll never forget when I saw that moment in the theater. Somebody, somebody shouted in the theater after he said no. He said, Yes! And I just went, Maybe. <laughs> 
But it's one of those. It's one of those moments. Like I'll, I'll never forget seeing that in a theater because I wasn't. No. I, I I didn't think they were gonna have him talk like especially so soon in the movie. Like at least at least how it felt. I mean, this is not a long movie, but still like. Having your like character who is otherwise just you know doing sign language and making you know ape noises. They they don't really make it seem like he would talk at any point in the movie. Yeah, like you're watching it and he's sign language. He's doing the sign language, which is impressive enough. Like it's a cool thing. And a, uh, but also b, it's cool to just see how you know sign language is incorporated that way. Like you just again, it's not something you really see unless there's a character who's deaf or has some sort of hearing impairment in a movie. So it's nice to see that. I, it's part of the reason why I think they incorporated it in, in Godzilla versus Kong with that cool scene when Kong says home. Yeah. Which I'll, uh, from, from now on, I'll always know how to sign language home, which you know, it's also funny too, because there, uh, it was a real, there was a real gorilla named Coco mm-hmm. and she, you know, that, that was basically sort of what popularized a lot of that in, in media was like, she she signed you know and people debate how much she understood you know there's questions questions revolving around that i mean we also talked about about amy in, in congo uh, in congo so it comes yeah. up a lot in the movies that we talk about but you know yeah like it, it that's such a powerful moment and it feels so earned by that point yeah it's such a nice reversal of that moment uh of the moment in the because in the original film heston heston's voice was up to that point impaired he couldn't speak because he was he was shot in the throat basically yeah and then at that's the point where he speaks and then the apes are shocked because they never heard a human speak before they were this blows their mind and this is a nice sort of reversal of that where you know a human doesn't is not expecting an ape to to utter in, the english anything in the english language um mm. and there's a lot of nice like we interesting like you know sort of reversal things like the original film, there's a very famous scene where the apes are hunting the humans. And I kind of think about the beginning of this movie where you see humans hunting the apes. They're like poaching, right. you know, poaching the apes, basically. I think with this movie, just, just beyond like moments, we have to, it, it starts and ends, all of these movies, starts and ends with the wonderful work of both Weta Digital and Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is like it was the i think i know a lot of people like you were saying too like Gollum, and obviously he's done so many characters i mean you know even snoke for as short-lived as that character is is still memorable because of his performance and and also if you want if you want like a facial like an actual like non-motion capture performance i mean he was i believe he was in the prestige um Mm -hmm. he was he was he was david bowie's assistant perfect and he was also in you know in black panther and you know he was age of he was he's he's uh claw and he's very good very he's so good and he's gonna be alfred in the new batman movie but i'll talk more about that later i'm sure Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but um no i i still remember when this movie came out and how often it was said that he deserves an oscar for this performance because he's and it's it's a it's always that big question of do these kind of performances or these kinds of things be eligible, I guess, because there's always that debate of like, is it, you know, is it this, is it that? And I mean, it's a performance, regardless of what it is, regardless of what you're talking about, like if it's just his voice or not, depending on if it, the, the type of technology they're going for, but you know, it was a motion capture. So he was on set, uh, amazing, um, work, as you were saying by Weta, but also just all this great performance from him like like you like it you believed this it was, it's so good 
Yeah, like, I mean, just, just like, this movie, I just want to say, it was kind of weird, like, thinking about it, because we didn't think about it at the time we were scheduling this episode. Rise of the Planet of the Apes is going to be 10 years old this year. It is. That's weird. <laughs> like, recording this, um, recording this June 23rd, 2021, it's going to turn 10 years old this August, because it was an August movie. And that was the other exciting thing for me, too, was usually... They come out for your birthday? It came out around my birthday, and... Usually August is like the the no-no month for the summer. That's like, okay, I guess we'll just throw this movie in for the summer, hope to make a few bucks. Yeah, no, that's a good point, because like, I remember that was kind of a factor in my brain at the time, just thinking like, oh, you know, it's it's one of those like, you know, whatever. But no, it, again, it, it, was so, it's so, it was so pleasantly surprising just how much care and thought went into all of it. Um, I just want to keep going on, on the Andy Circus train. I think about, like, mm-hmm. there's a couple scenes, uh, um, several scenes I just love. And I just, there, there's certain expressions of Caesars that I love. Like, when he's in when he's in the woods, and he's just staring at the tree. And they're like, Caesar! <laughs> he turns his head, he's like, ooh! <laughs> it's just this little, this adorable face. And I also love, um, I love the scene where, well, I mean, it's a hard scene to watch, but, like, He's at like the ape sanctuary, and um, James Franco and Frida Pinto are, are visiting him, and um, you know he he gets he gets upset that they they can't take him home, you know. And I think about when he's wipe when he's wiping away that the window because he drew uh, uh, he drew like with almost with sort of chalk like a, win- a w- version of a window that he had at his old house, and he like sort of like erases it, and he's just like you feel really feel that anguish and that pain from this character Mm. it's it's truly it's really powerful stuff like it it really and you can almost argue this movie kind of feels like a character study a little bit Mm. or at least in that in that sense that you know there is a narrative to it but it really is about we're following this one character just the difference being that it's an ape growing smarter and smarter as the movie plays out yeah and which eventually leads to um, obviously, like we said, that this big revolutionary moment, which again feels like such a big like crescendo at the end of this sort of um, slow build to this to this major point where you're seeing the apes just completely um, ravage, not necessarily well, maybe not ravage, but definitely like you know swarm is a better word, uh, San Francisco because they're trying to get to the redwood forest to you know be free away from you know, having to be locked in cages and having to be, you know, put on display like at a zoo or something. You know, they want they want their own independence because they're self-aware now. They have mm-hmm. the intelligence to do so. And that and speaking of crescendos, like, you know, because a lot of summer blockbusters are big action spectacles where you have to ha- you have to meet X amount of action beats. You have to have this amount of action scenes in a movie, all that. This movie has relatively, like, few, like action scenes like there's the big golden gate bridge there's like the big scene in san francisco at the end and the golden gate bridge mm-hmm. but there's only like a few small moments outside of that it's more about developing you know caesar as a character getting to know caesar getting to know caesar and the other apes that he has to get along with because he yes he, he's being introduced to all these and i like again these aren't these aren't human i talked about this when i was talking about godzilla versus kong they treat them like characters, and this this yes. becomes more and more evident as the movies go on. Like Maurice, I just gotta say Maurice. Like Maurice is great. Maurice is a fantastic character. 
fantastic. Love Maurice. Like, there's some great moments where, like, you know, Caesar doing the famous, like, apes together strong. And then the apes do something, something like, dumb. And he's like, apes stupid. <laughs> <laughs> apes stupid. <laughs> or or Rocket, who's sort of like the alpha in in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And he has he's, to sort of, he's like... like you know, He's he's like the the cool. Um, he's got all the late. He's got all the lady apes like like mess like brushing his hand and stuff. Like he looks like he looks like royalty, like yes. snooty royalty when we meet him first. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of fun. I just love the the, the difference between them. Like, it's illustrated so well when they first meet each other. Like Caesar's still in like a shirt and pants. And he, he like tries to like, shake his hand. <laughs> tries to shake his hand. Um, I also and I have to talk about my sweet prince. Buck. Oh, Buck. He's the he's the s- s- silverback, right? Isn't he a silverback? Well, it, it would probably it would probably it would be a silverback because he's he's male, um, and you know I don't know what specific type of gorilla he is. I'll look that up, and if I find out, I don't know. I mean, he might be a mountain gorilla. It might be the specific uh, species, but Buck is is a is a great a uh, great character. You know, we first meet. He's he looks like the scary the scariest guy. He's the one that's only one that's in his own separate cage. He's not allowed to interact with the other with the other apes. But as the as the cliche goes, he's the he's the tough guy in the yard that you got to be friends with. Like I think of. Um... Ricky Baker and Deadpool 2, like, trying to be friends with, like, we gotta be friends with the tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love, one of my favorite moments, um, there's some great moments with Buck, but, like, one of my favorites is when, like, Caesar is, you know, manipulating things to his advantage. He unlocks Buck's cage, and Buck, like, step, like, it takes a step out, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> like, he, he <laughs> he's just not used to it, and he's, it has the, all this freedom. And I just love, I love when Rocket comes out, and he sees Buck, he's out of the cage, he's like, oh, gosh. Oh, man. He's like, oh, he, you got Buck on your side? Okay. I guess you're, I guess you're the alpha. <laughs> you, you're the alpha, I'll stick my hand out for you. Uh, and then just some of the most, like, heartbreaking moment, the most heartbreaking moment, too. In, in the movie other than like John Lithgow's character passing but like as far as like the apes are concerned like like Buck Buck has like a, almost like a King Kong-esque final stand like the helicopter mm. is shooting at Caesar but he gets in the way and he jumps hurdles towards the helicopter and like causes it to crash he saves full Caesar's. on battle mode he saves Caesar but but he it risks it, it, it costs him his life and he's like you see like the light like fading from his eyes you know, and Caesar's mm-hmm. just holding him in his arms, and it's just like I'm. Ge- I'm almost getting like welled up just talking about this. It's like I can't do this. Talk. You talk about the monkeys. Well, <laughs> well, you know, there's monkeys, and there's a couple more monkeys, and then, so is this not good enough? It just does snow that these characters are great, and there's there's a great shot. There's a fantastic shot of them on like a trolley car, and it's like a hu- beautiful, yeah. beautiful hero shot. But this, but again, like, I think my big thing is like this movie. It could have easily just been a giant extravaganza, right? This could have been just mm-hmm. a huge spectacle, but it's not. It's a very small story that has a big action scene at the end, but it's an action scene that it's not about just like taking down the big bad or like, you know, eradicating humanity. It's about these guys, they just want to find a new home. That's all they want. In a lot of ways, like, it, it reminds me of the kind of movie that, like, again, like bringing up the Batman thing again. Um, because I feel like with with Nolan when he made those movies he was t- he was sort of stripping away the more theatrical elements to sort of get to the core of what makes Batman a character that people love. I, I 
I almost argue that I feel like with this movie, they're doing the same thing, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I think it, I, I, my, my note has like Jurassic Park meets Batman Begins where it's a science fiction premise that would not happen in real life, but we believe it for this. It sounds believable enough for a movie mm-hmm. that an Alzheimer's drug could lead to the ape, the apocalypse, basically. Pretty much. Oh, there is, there is one introduction that we didn't talk about. It's not it's not necessarily as important right now, but it'll be very important in another in the next half. Oh, we got oh, I know who you're talking about. We got to talk about him. With every um I guess you could say for lack of a better description, for every sort of god-like character, there is always a devil type character. So, uh Caesar, if you got Caesar, you got Koba. And Koba is this like just really gnarly looking ape when we first meet him he's got like uh like a like one eye that's bad and he's got a bunch of scars and he's 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 one of those apes that have been a test lab ape his whole existence so he so he knows the procedure he knows everything um and the moment he is self-aware and is grow and his intelligence grows is the moment he is like oh He's the one thing that could be that could be Caesar's equal potentially because he's already pretty pretty smart before the LZ one twelve, but he was able to get a perfect fifteen as they I think perfect fifteen or whatever. So I think yeah, like 20. it's like fi- it's it's like fifteen for the Lucas Tower. Lucas Tower, like, whatever. Like he he is Caesar's equal, but it's also like because Caesar's known the good of humanity, right? Because he was raised by just some of the nice. It's kind of like talking about Superman, like Superman was raised by the Kents. You could not have had better parents. You could not yes. have asked for better, you know, parents. Koba has had, has, has like the ass end of the deal. Like he's had pretty crappy treatment um, his whole, his whole life. And I think about um, that climactic, that, that bit pivotal moment where uh, Jacobs, you know, the, the, the big CEO type human mm-hmm. that's in the helicopter that asks, he asks Caesar to help him. And Caesar, kind of doesn't help him and he just walks away but he but he sort of gives a nod to koba and then koba (laughs) koba not pushes it over uh and it just set it just oh it said it says it all you see the expression on his face and everything and it's just so it's like he is like the scariest looking ape for sure yeah he's and he his presence is felt in all three movies. That was one thing I remember coming out of the theater in 2011 saying, you know, cause there's a lot of hints that the, the next movie was going to be like more of a Planet of the apes, like remake. And mm. it's one of those things where I'm glad that didn't happen because we got to really spend time with Caesar, with rocket, with Maurice, with Koba, you know, it, it was, it, we really got to, it, it was, it, it was, de- it developed to a, a more logical, um, more logical place. I would say it. Yeah. It was. It's definitely nice too to see that they were able to continue it. Um, though the only downside, and again, we'll get much more into this uh, in the second half. But the downside being uh, how how um, they decided to end this one with, uh, you know, hey, um, we're gonna get people sick and we're gonna spread it around the globe. <laughs> yeah. So just just a brief um, a brief thing with these movies, you know. This the obviously this came out in 2011. We are in tw- 2021, still in the ten midst, years later, <laughs> in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, COVID nineteen, and it, it just it, you can't help but think about it. But it's also at the same time, it's one of the few things where, I mean, I, I'm sure for some people, it's it's it would be hard to watch 
with something like mm. that, especially when you get to the later movies. But for me, it's one of those things where, oddly, I can watch it. I think part of that is because, like, you know, the the scene where you see it, like, spread all over the country is sort of a weird semi-mid-credits scene. Because this, yeah. this feels like one of the few Planet of the Apes movies that has a happy ending. Because the apes make it to the forest. And if, it, if you didn't watch the credits, if you left the theater, it'd be like, hooray! Oh, end of movie. Perfect! End of movie! Woo! And then the second one comes out, and you're like, wait, what happened? What? 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 It's so sad. It, and it was a very intense, that was a very integral, like, additional scene. Like, that, yeah. that actually is very crucial to the rest of these, you know, rest of these stories. Which, on that note, um, the, the, the neighbor, I oh, think we yeah. get to briefly mention, like, that neighbor, like, he's, I mean, he's obviously, like, a, kind of portrayed as a jerk, but it's, he, he he doesn't really deserve anything that happens to him. No, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, like, is is he is he a nice guy? I wouldn't say so, but no, man, you, like you'd be like if you heard about what happened, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> like first a while, like a like an ape he had no clue was in his neighborhood just shows up in his backyard um, because of his neighbors. Then um, poor John Lithgow. Um, uh, who's like starting to like deteriorate back into his Alzheimer's, thinking he's getting into his own car, starts driving his car and wrecking it into other cars, and then uh, which leads to Caesar thinking that he was attacking John Lithgow and then deciding to attack him and bite his finger because he was poking him, and then um, the crescendo of it all get to use that word again, uh, Franklin, who's the 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 ape handler uh, for Gensis, sneezes on him. After he uh, uh, inhales the ALZ-113, which is the next stage of the ALZ-112, like, you know, the, the upgraded version, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he gets sick and sneezes it on, on him. And then we learn, my man's a pilot. <laughs> and he's in the airport with a nosebleed. <sighs> yeah. Oof. I mean, and, uh, that's another note I have. is like the, the, hum- the humans, especially in, the, in these, like, in these first two movies, they're very much base. They're basic character archetypes that you know, like you have, um, you have Jacobs, uh, David Oyelowo, like as like the greedy, like CEO, like is about the stocks, wants to make money type, and he plays it well, I think. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it it's it's that kind of character. Of course, we said James Franco, like Tom Felton, is a jerk. In this movie, and he <laughs> it's, can, li- it's literally months after they finished the Harry Potter franchise. He can so play that. Like... He can play it in his sleep. He's, <laughs> he's very so good. used to it, and you, so, it's one of those things too. You're like, I hope he's. I hope people are nice to him in real life, because a lot of those actors that play like are known for playing jerks tend to get a lot of like, crap. Like Joffrey, the guy who plays Joffrey, Joffrey sure, Lena Headey gets shame yelled at her all the time. Yeah. So, I hope Tom Felton's doing good. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so too. Um, he, I think he's good in the movie. Also, like, I just want to like thinking about that stuff. Um, there's a lot of like Easter eggs to the original films in this movie. Mm-hmm. ALZ one twelve, uh, one twelve being the runtime of the original Planet of the Apes movie. There's a part I believe they're watching the Agony, the Ecstasy, which is a movie featuring Charlton Heston, who, as you know, was in the original Planet of the Apes. There's a spaceship. That goes out similar to uh, the original Planet of the Apes where there's a spaceship that goes out and that's sort of how the, the adventure begins. 
um, there's so many things. Uh, Dodge Landon is the name of a character, and Dodge Dodge and Landon are two guys that the two guys that are with Heston at the beginning of the movie as they're exploring this strange world in the original film. Mm-hmm. Um, Maurice, uh, your lovely orangutan, Maurice. Uh, the original film has a character, the villain, I would say, Doctor Zayas, played by Maurice Evans, and his character is an orangutan. You know, so that there's so many things, so many things. which. I mean, I, I wouldn't have noticed any of it, but it was cool like that, to see like what they put into the movie for people who were really into the franchise to notice. Yeah, that was like a big that was like a big big thing with like um with the writers and um and Rupert Rupert Wyatt who who directed this one. Um, speaking of which, let me just I'm just double like who who direct uh, who wrote the um I I know they've done Amanda uh, Silver and Rick uh Hoffa Rick, or Jaffa Rick, Rick Jaffa, yeah or you know I'll figure out how to pronounce that, but. Yeah, they they wrote this. They were they were involved in like the early stages of Jurassic World, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, which it's so like when you think about that, because like this is so good, and like it does make you think of like Jurassic Park a lot, and just like the whole thing. Like Frida, I, I was telling you, Frida Pinto's character is the Ian Malcolm of this movie. This is wrong, Will. Life finds a way, Will. Let's not do this, Will. Stop <laughs> it, Will. <laughs> Um, but like knowing that they co-wrote the screenplay and then it probably got mostly taken over by Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly makes me so sad because it would have been, I'm sure it would have been so cool. I don't know what their contribution was to Jurassic world, but I want, I kind of want to know. So I know what, I don't know. I w- if Jurassic world's not that great of a movie, sadly, but, um, knowing that they were involved, like if, it feels like it was one of those, and maybe it's just because I was a fan of this movie. It just feels like one of those situations that maybe, like what they initially wrote, got like more stripped away, and then they just kept like the skeleton of it similar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they could have just thrown out a lot of it, and they just they had to credit them because of like Hollywood, you know, Hollywood like guild and like union rules. But regardless, we can admire their work here because I think they did a real. They, there's some really solid bones for a franchise in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, like. Not too dissimilar from the from Batman Begins, where you, you like you said, it strips down Planet of the Apes to its core essentially, and it adds some new elements. It remind it reminds the audience why these stories resonate, even if like you know they don't have the, the again the more theatrical elements. Like you look at it and you go, oh, this is why people like this. Yeah, like this this movie. Um, it's just so just so many like so many great things like obviously Andy Serkis as Caesar. I do like the Patrick Doyle score, especially the parts when Caesar and those like great one take shots when he's like swinging through the house and then when he's swinging in the redwood forest. That those are great scenes, by the way. Those are I love those scenes. I think about particularly the last track. I think it's called Caesar's Home, and you know, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna do the whole thing, but it's it's a nice piece of music. Um, you know, I think the action action set pieces are a lot of fun, and especially for that time to have that many motion capture actors performing in that in that scene of uh, like the Golden Gate Bridge was was quite a feat. You know, so mm-hmm. you know it kind of helped helped break boundaries as far as excuse me as far as that's concerned. I mean, it's it's really just it's it's still impressive. Ten years later, I mean, it still it's looks incredibly most, impressive. Still mostly mostly looks really good. Like the hair, like especially I think about like Maurice, and there's a lot of shots of Caesar that look pretty great. Um, you know, it, it, it's just it's it's incredible. Like this is it's 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 a hell of a movie. It's a hell of a blockbuster. Definitely one of the one of my favorite films 
of the 21st century so far, as well as the next two films we're going to be talking about uh, for our triple feature. We're going to take a brief, brief intermission. When we come back, we will be hope we will um, will we uh, continue uh, the the monkey madness. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about the first film in the Apes, Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And now we are talking about the second two films. First, let's start off with the 2014 film, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I was, I remember seeing that that trailer for Ooh, the first time. That, it, that rattled me in the best way. <laughs> it rattled me. And I was just like, this looks perfect. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, on, you know what? On top of that, too, and this is, I think, this is a good sort of segue into, I, I think the biggest element of both of these movies is um, when I learned that, um, even though like it would have been cool to see what Rupert Wyatt would have done with the later films. I personally am a big fan of this this director who took over and directed this and War for the Planet of the Apes in 2017, um, Matt Reeves, who prior to this movie um, directed uh, Cloverfield, which is probably one of the only found footage movies, regardless, of, even though it does got a lot of shaky cam in it, um, it's one of the few found footage movies I actually like get a kick out of, um, and one of my favorite vampire movies um let the right one in he did the american remake which was the first film to sort of revive the hammer horror studio um in 2010 uh he did uh it's called let me in and it's also a really great movie it's got uh chloe grace moretz um elias codius and um cody smith mcphee who shows up in this one yes he does as a kid that likes to draw things, mm-hmm. so that's fun. Um, but I loved, I love, I've loved his work, and so the moment I heard he was, this was his next project, I was totally excited. And like you were saying, the trailer, whew, that it looks so good. Just even just the tease at first, where you start from from Caesar's eyes, and you see the other apes behind him, and you're just like, oh, this is this is the right vibe for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which also is such a great way to show off how good the technology has gotten with in just that short amount of time with Weta and like how realistic the apes look. Yeah. It's insane. Like I even remember like the advertisements for war was essentially that great trailer of Andy Circus and the Leotard and the like the little microphone, and then he slowly turns into Caesar and you're just like it's so like 
insane. You're looking at it, you're like, what is happening right now? That's a great opening shot, though, for the whole movie. And it's cyclical. It rhymes. Because it, it starts off with the eyes. It ends with the eyes. It's my favorite thing, honestly. One of my favorite things about this movie. No, it, it's there's a lot, a number of great things to talk about. But basic, basic gist of this, many years, many years have passed since the events of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And as we said in the last half, uh, the simian flu has spread and it hasn't just spread it's spread like wildfire like the whole world has been doused in like gasoline and <laughs> lit a flame lit a flame and you know billions b- billions with a b big b have perished in this and basically while humans are still a presence on earth as a civilization they're destroyed like th- there's just remnants of them. We see old buildings that run down. We see old gas stations and restaurants and places just covered in foliage and streets cracked open. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, like you know, humanity is in a really, really bad place. But for a while, the apes have done pretty well for themselves. They have a really nice. They've thrived. Th- they have a nice little community. That Maurice has a school. Which is nice. They it feels like they have like their own like rituals and cultures. Because I always think about when when they're trying to show like the baby being born. I think about the one the the one ape. It looks almost looks like a shaman. They have like beads and stuff on mm-hmm. them, and it's like they have their own culture and things. They 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 have their own method of of that they're able to teach everybody like sign language at the, at the very least. Um, Caesar has a cat. Caesar has children. <laughs> He's got a son named Blue Eyes. Yep. And he, he's married to Cornelia, uh, who we only really meet in one shot, sadly, in the first movie. She gets kind of underplayed in the whole series, but um, she, uh, you know, every, everybody seems to be pretty dang happy, which is nice. And, like, the whole opening shot is them just hunting. Like, they're just trying to get food and, and you know, just doing their thing. Yeah, and then they encounter humans... And humans, the humans are like, shit, we don't know what to do. This is, this is nuts. What's going to happen to us? Oh my God. And then it becomes essentially this, this conflict between, you know, like, how are we going to live in peace? Can we live in peace? Should we live in peace? And then of course, there's always that one character in both camps that's like, apes are bad. They can talk like they're 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 monsters um and then you got you know obviously koba we talked about koba is very much you know humans bad like i i I think of the scene when um koba is like questioning caesar's decision to have oh yes to have the humans come back up and and try to you know fix uh the generator so they can have power where they live and um you know you know Caesar's like, let them do their human work, and then they'll move on. And then, and then Koba's like, human work, and he starts pointing at all the different like scars and 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 abrasions on his body that he's gotten from being a test ape his whole life. And so again, it builds up that that back and forth, that dynamic between you know those two characters, like Koba almost being like a great opposite to Caesar. Yeah, like Koba is just. Koba has only really ever known the bad side of humanity. Mm. Caesar Caesar 
is 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 conflicted if he should help the humans or, or not you know but at the same time he remembers his his youth when he was raised so warmly so lovingly by by his humans that you know is he he gives them a chance and you know the humans get some power back and some energy back but thing one thing leads to another and civil civilizations <laughs> clash it's it's pretty rough i mean with just like from the human standpoint i mean you have um gary oldman's character dreyfus who's kind of the leader of this small colony in san francisco in the city um and all they all they're trying to do right now is to get power so they can communicate hopefully to another colony to find out you know who else is out there in the world you know and obviously his character is like a uh like a former military guy who I assuming lost his whole family to, you know, everything that's happened. And so it's just a lot for him to deal with while he's also trying to lead his colony. Um, and then we have, uh, uh, what, what's his name? I, why am I forgetting the main character, like the main human character's name? Um, McDonald, I think is, is his name, which, which is kind of funny. Um, let me just double check if that's right. Okay. I mean, it's probably, you're talking about Jason Clark's character. Yeah, Jason Clark's um, character, uh, of course, right? Skynet's character. The, the Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it is from Terminator Genesis. <laughs> oh, Malcolm. Excuse yes, me. Malcolm. Yes. I'm th- yes. I said I said I said McDonald because I was thinking about. Um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes and Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which is okay. basically where a lot of the primary inspiration in these movies comes from. Okay, essentially, as far as the original films. But so, yeah. but Malcolm, he, his his thing is that you know he's just trying to get power, and he he doesn't necessarily see the apes as a threat or as an enemy. Um, he sees them more as an opportunity to you know try and broker a deal. You know, we'll leave you alone if you can just at least let us try and turn these generators on so we can get power so we can live because we're we're dying we're, we don't we got nothing and you know he he sort of plays to to caesar's empathy a little bit not intentionally because i think again he comes from that standpoint of not wanting to have animosity with them and so he sees that there's potentially good in them as caesar caesar is potentially good in the in in some of the humans anyway and so, um, and then he's got uh, Carrie Russell, who uh, obviously has worked with Matt Reeves in uh, Felicity, which is, you know, obviously a huge 90s sitcom. I, 90s, I believe. Yeah. I don't remember. I never watched it. My, mo- my uh, mom was a huge <laughs> fan of the show. That's all you really need to know about Felicity. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Patty. Yep. She plays um, uh, someone that used to work for the CDC, and so she's like the doctor. Um, but she also is trying to because she's um with Malcolm and uh so she's trying to garner somewhat of a relationship with Cody Smith McPhee who is uh Malcolm's kid and so yeah. there's a little bit of that dynamic going on so but their whole their whole thing is that they're just trying to get power and so Malcolm is trying to you know broker this deal though um th- like I said there's that one guy who I forget his name but I just remember him he's a bad guy that was in the later seasons of Arrow who was also a jerk on that show <laughs> but um he he just despises it like he like he sees the name simian flu blames them immediately for ending the world 
um, which it's, it's such it's so sad how relevant that felt like to hear to hear that conversation. I think about um, the persecute, especially the hate crimes happening against Asian Americans. Exactly, exactly. As a result of this, and I hear remember things. Now this is not me. This is like, like it's kung your, flu. You're quoting kung flu. Yeah, you're quoting kung flu. You heard things like that. Like the Chinese virus was constantly used a lot as well. I think about that with the simian flu because even though like the simian flu, like, you can make an argument that it was there. The apes didn't do, didn't like cause this. They were, no. they, they were, they were victims of like medical testing really, you know? And so it's just, it's just, it kind of, again, there's a lot of aspects of this movie that just hurt to watch because of relevancy. I think that's why I avoided watching it last year more specifically. I mean, even now it's still very relevant, but um, last year specifically, um, like during the lockdown period, like I probably would have really wanted to sit and watch them, but I was like, no, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can. Yeah, it, it's 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 kind of rough. I mean, I, again, I think about the one scene where like the power comes back and Gary Oldman looks at like I think is like I, his phone, or his his iPad. I, the iPad, and he sees the pictures. And uh. that that's a that's a really that's one of the better human scenes in any of these movie in any of these recent movies. I would say. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, because again, uh, these movies not, and this is not no, not dunking on on Carrie Russell or, or or Jason Clark. You know, they're 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 not the main characters. That the, the 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 main characters are the apes. Caesar Andy Circus gets top billing in this one, if I'm not mistaken. I think he does, yeah. Because the because the the previous one, um, James Franco got top billing, and Andy Circus was a supporting actor technically. But in this in this one and war, he is the lead actor. He is definitively the star. And I think about um, one of my favorite things just just Caesar's like angry face or is it face of it's, like annoyance? It's, it's so good. <laughs> like when he's just listening to everybody, just like saying, "Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" And he's just like, "Enough!" He just stop. <laughs> like he just he just raises a hand sometimes, and they just stop. Yeah. Again, he's so good in the movie. <laughs> like. Why does he not have all the awards? What? Where? He, where did they go? He is he is fantastic in this movie. But also, what I like about Caesar too is that we we really get to see the growth of his character in these three movies. You know, this one, this he's, one, he's he, a king essentially. He's a, he's he's a chief. He's a chief. He's a ruler of leader of his people, and he he has to try to make these you know complex, complicated decisions where he does by the end of the movie. Like he doesn't want war with the humans. No, he knows that can only end in bad things. However, he knows that that is the only option at that point. That they 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 can't help it, and the he has to you know some something like you know go to like the baser needs of his people. Basically, you know they want that revenge against the humans. Yeah, you know some of them do anyway, and just I mean that's that's that his ultimate thing in the whole movie is that he wants peace. And he wants to just live in because they've been because again like you, as you were saying earlier, you know they they've been able to establish themselves. They have a home, a beautiful home. They have a they have an education system. They have um, you know a sense of community. Like they have their own culture. And Caesar, you know, clearly like this is like ten years later after the fact. So you know we have this fifteen year old Caesar who's you know has been able to protect and and keep his his people and his family safe and then because of this animosity that 
select people have on both sides it just is this unfortunate escalation to this this nasty conclusion of them having to butt heads with each other when you know all could have been resolved but you know you know bad eggs yeah and i'm not and like, there's a lot more at play than just that but that's like a big thing but we got to talk about koba um and particularly uh toby kebbell which it was this movie that made me realize how great of an actor like this and a monster calls which we also talked about on this show are the two movies that made me go toby kebbell's actually really good yeah like no offense no offense to toby kebbell for my previous feelings on him of just being like all right i guess so i do love you if you listen to this ever yeah we really do we do uh, uh appreciate you immensely hmm. um and especially what you've given to this character i mean like man he it's so so good um i think about this this scene where you know he's fooling around and messing around with those two guys oh yeah like at the armory at the armory yeah you know uh or the other scene i think about when uh rocket's son ash oh is, it that's an upsetting scene i'm not even gonna get into oh. that detail because that that is upsetting that's so upsetting especially like like how like at the beginning of the movie you know he gets shot and then Koba tries to make that a whole excuse to attack the humans. It's, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like I, I think about with, with, with Koba um, too, is that Caesar, Caesar respected Koba. Yeah. In a lot, in a lot of ways. Like, like he, he called, he, he called out, Koba helped him out out of a jam against those bears, you know, like there, there's some clear respect, but there's also like a, like a Magneto professor X dynamic that they kind of have yeah. where, where one, one of them's like, eh, we, we should try to be a little more respectful of these guys. And the other one's like, listen, I don't, I don't give a shit. These people hurt me and I want my, I, I don't, I don't, I don't just want like redemption blood. I want revenge. I want, yeah, I want blood basically. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, you got Maurice and you got rocket. Um, they're they're great. Yeah, they're the great, and you can see Rocket is you know a, a Caesar supporter, which is fun. <laughs> it's nice. It's like those three characters I think are so essential to the whole like rest of the these movies because they're 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 the initial trio. You know, we we meet them in the first movie, and then going into this one, they've become sort of like you know like Maurice is like his advi- is like Caesar's advisor. Mm-hmm. You know this this kind wise big old like advisor who always always has you know caesar's back but always is like saying hey listen you know we need to keep this in mind and then rocket's sort of like his like his like first lieutenant i would say and then and then you also have a new gorilla character who will also appear in war luca luca who's sort of you know sort of the uh, the sort of the, the the replacement for buck but he's also you know he's also good um you know he's also cool to you know see gorillas there's just a lot of like really great like shots in this movie i think about this the the attack that koba has on the human's base yes oh my god like um i still like i love the one shot where he's in the tank and it's like from his perspective i think is really really good um just even the way it's lit like like just like it like it looks like the the night is on fire with like how many explosions and like the pitch black sky and just how intense and violent it got like it's almost it's almost like sad yeah it's and just seeing him ride through the flames with like 
d- double akim- like d- akimbo like double <laughs> double gu- like all double guns you know and everything like it's just kind of wild and i also like another thing that breaks my heart too is like seeing the gorilla like try to carry off like his injured his injured or dead comrades mm-hmm. it's like a little like thick character you see off, off to the side um you know i also think about one of my favorite bits is when jason clark is trying to escape and he's going through all those buildings, and there's like all this nonsense going. Like horses are going, going through. I, I don't. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. I'm. I'm I don't. I sound like I'm rambling, but it was. It was a, that that one that definitely sticks in my head as um, a memorable, uh, memorable action scene. But oh my gosh! But the Caesar the Caesar Coba relationship, right? Mm. It, it it's that the, there's the big climax where they fight each other in the skyscraper and like the in the skyscraper. Yeah. Uh, Coba is just like you know. Help, help, help me, Caesar. You know, you know, because he get he gets to that point, right? He's like, apes, apes don't hurt apes, and he just picks him up, and he's like, "You are not ape." Drop. Ah! <laughs> I do like, I do like the kind of like one badass line in that where like, Koba's like, "Caesar, weak. Koba, weaker." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn. Uh, yeah, Get it, that, son. That's uh, that is so good. It's oh. so good. Speaking of speaking of apes, I think we need to talk about because we mentioned him before. Um, blue eyes. Yes, we got to talk about blue eyes because um, you know as we as we mentioned, Caesar is a kid now. He has two kids. Because because in this movie, um, Cornelia has a has a baby, um, who uh, we learn later is Cornelius. Who is that's mm-hmm. a that's a character from Planet of the Apes, right? Is That's that... Roddy McDowell's character, like... and Roddy McDowell would also play Caesar in Conquest, um, Conquest of Planet of the Apes and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. So, okay. yeah, yes, definite nod to the original films. So, I because I remember I because I because obviously I've mentioned and and in addition to that, <laughs> sorry, Cornelius Cornelius is Caesar's dad in the original films. So it's such a reversal. It's because it's a time travel thing because Cornelius is from the future. But then he goes to the 70s, and then uh, Zira has a baby named Milo, who eventually becomes Caesar. So it's, it's kind of like Terminator. It's like Terminator. Bit. Yeah. Ter- like, like, <laughs> dude, Planet... <laughs> like, there's a whole, like, time travel ridiculous thing with Planet of the Apes. It's wild, but you're talking about uh, Blue Eyes. Yes. Sorry. No, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Uh, no, like, in a good way. Like, the excitement was fun. Yeah okay, but uh, <laughs> I don't I don't I didn't want to seem like I was making fun or anything. No 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 but, no, uh, no, no listen. But uh, <laughs> but blue eyes is um, I feel like it's obviously a bit of a nod to Caesar's mother, whose name's Bright Eyes, because of the green flecks in her eyes, which indicated the ape's intelligence. But um, another nod to the original films. I know I keep saying <laughs> that. I'm sorry, but th- that's you know what it, it's good because we need that because I don't I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't point any of that out. I, I'm just afraid somebody's going to come and say, why did you mention Bright Eyes? <laughs> like, you're doing all of these things, and you're not... Me- What's up? Um, but yeah, it's, but it, it, is a, <laughs> it is a nod to his mom. Yes. Yes. But So, with Blue Eyes, um, who obviously, you know, his name describes himself similar to our name for the show. Uh, it's a very simple description. Um, mm. uh, he's, he's sort of like, I guess, you can almost argue he's kind of like a teenage son a little bit, because, you know... He, he listens more to what Koba has to say because he looks at what Koba's saying and especially because he saw a human shoot his best friend, Ash. And so like it'd be like if I saw you get shot. 
I would hate humans too. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just, I, I think about that, that whole, um, yeah, that whole dynamic is definitely interesting. Like he becomes sort of like has that animosity towards Caesar a little bit, like which is again sort of a typical like teenager to their father kind of thing. Yeah. T- yes. 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 And so like you get a bit of that animosity, which um, again I think further builds on you know illustrating Caesar as a character, not just an ape, mm-hmm. and yes. like he is a father. And he loves his family. You know, he loves his wife. He loves his sons. And so it, it does hurt him to see, like, his son sort of, like, turn away from him. And to see his son sort of, like, latch on to Koba, who's clearly, you know, deranged and, you know, clearly, clearly angry. Dam- clearly damaged and, you know, beyond the point uh, of, of, of no return. Literally to the point where Koba is the one that starts the 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 war by framing the humans simply because he hates them yeah which is it's kind of a it's kind of a change because i feel like you would have expected the one human who was so so angsty towards the apes to do that and he does break some rules like obviously caesar says if you want to work on you know this stuff no guns he brings a shotgun almost killing caesar's newborn child and I also but speaking of koba though like there's um a lot of parallels with the older films like i said conquest of the planet of the apes and rise of the planet of the apes if you ever watch conquest it's a very similar kind of movie where caesar's leading like the ape uprising and escape mm-hmm. basically in battle there's a there's like a general character named aldo who's very much like who's like koba um you know not doesn't have like the the, the complexities like koba but he 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 kills an ape at one point, um, and then sees there's, there's a point where, where like Caesar and him are I think are on, on a tree and then he falls down and, and dies. <laughs> like, oh, so so yeah okay so there's there, definitely there, there, parallels. There's, there's a lot of like parallels and obviously you know when, when like Maurice is writing on the board ape no kill ape that's one of the big tenets in like the lawgivers like scrolls like ape shall never kill ape right you know and also another like thing too like when you hear the word no. I just want to briefly bring this up. No is a forbidden word uh, for humans to use because apes were enslaved and humans always told them when, when they did a task wrong, no. And so humans are not allowed to say no to an ape. I do. I do remember you telling me about that. I'm sorry. I no. just like to. <laughs> no, the, it's, the it's, con- there, there's a deep lore to these things. It's, it's very, it's very, <laughs> it's very important. Um, especially I think with this one, because I feel like this one really does feel like that transitional period into sort of becoming more like kind of bringing the flashy sort of theme like you know theatrical elements back by having like i love how the apes put like like paint like war, war paint war on them on themselves it like, feels it like, like, like a, a planet of the apes movie like what yeah. you expect a planet of the apes movie to be and so i like that and i like you know like the design of the of their home with like the great like construction of it all um and just like the like sort of like apocalyptic look of the world being covered with foliage and stuff um so i just i really liked this movie i was really happy with it like like this is this is the movie that made me go i might want to watch i think i think it was around this or this i think this the third movie that i actually went and bought the original planet of the apes movie which i still own it's right over there again you can't see but it's over there (laughs) it's over it's over there (laughs) 
it, it, it's it's really just it's really a great sequel. I think I got to see it as like a double feature with Rise of the Planet of the Apes because they oh, you know nice. AMC will do those things like oh the new Iron Man's out you should watch Iron Man uh, one and two or whatever and they and it, that that was a that was a fun memory um, and also another thing I want to say about Dawn the second time I saw it was the first time I met Doctor Feehan. Oh, um, or at least I can recall meeting Dr. Feehan. Um, we didn't sit next to each other at the screening, though. We were supposed to meet up, but our, our theater, like, that was at the time they were really enforcing, like, um, assigned seating at mm. our AMC. So we didn't get to sit next to each other. But it started, you know, a long, uh, a long, wonderful tradition of, of seeing uh, big movies together. So Which, definitely, definitely. On that note, just from a, a, perverse, a personal perspective, sit in your assigned seats. When you're at the movies, I know like things have changed a little bit more now and they're starting to change back a little bit, but if you buy a ticket, it'll tell you what your seat is. Just sit there. Don't cause a problem. Other people are going to sit in those seats that you're trying to take. Sorry. Just had to say that. No, I, I, I hate that shit. Please. I hate that shit, dude. Sit in your seat. It gives me, it gives me so much anxiety like yes at a movie theater yes like i'm just like i'm just so worried like i'm gonna have to turn on my phone to prove to them that this is my seat sit in your side seats and i know and listen listen i understand even some of the seats could be a little bit difficult because it's dark and you know the seating arrangement could be tricky but if you see the armrest says the same as your ticket sit in it that's it don't sit anywhere else that's why but that on that note that's why you get there early yes yes that's the moral of that story but Beyond uh, assigned seating, let let's uh, let's Sorry, take a quick let's take a, No, it's fine. It's fine. It was much needed. It's going to stay in the episode. We're gonna t- we're gonna sit down and let's talk about um, uh, war <laughs> and what is it good for? <laughs> well, uh, absolutely nothing. But say it again. <sighs> good God, y'all! <laughs> that is staying in the edit. That was beautiful. <laughs> oh, I agree. No, I, that's why I said it. I mean, I, I edit these things. So if, if we could just dead. do like dramatic readings of tons of famous songs, I would be perfectly fine with that as well. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about the culmination of this, the the conclusion of this trilogy, um, War for the Planet of the Apes. And what an intense movie. <laughs> oh my god like okay can i I, okay what i need to say now you you go 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 so this is important very important because and you know this is important what i'm about to say 2017 that was when i first met i met my girlfriend in person allison Mm -hmm. okay we had a big we we went to disneyland together 2017 and i'm a huge i'm a huge plan the apes fan so i said to her i need to see this movie new movie when it comes out that's not that's not negotiable Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, we got to watch the other ones. And I'm like, okay, I'll show them. Too. Oh. <laughs> and we watched Rise, Dawn, and the original Planet of the Apes um, a few months before. Right. Not that not that far before. And we watched um, we watched War for the Planet of the Apes at the now defunct downtown Disney AMC in Disneyland. Um, it's no longer there. But, and uh, that's why I had my first movie date uh, with anybody and with Allison. And normally people try to find something light or fun or a marvel movie that goes yay Woo-hoo! but no 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 you guys are different you guys want to do something a little bit different we we were both crying <laughs> she was holding my hand most of the time it was rough i was we were a mess after that 
after when once we went to went to the rainforest cafe <laughs> did that make you feel better at least or did it just make you go oh, god a little, a little our, our server was, our, our server was really nice uh okay. he was a cool guy um i forget his name i i wish i could remember his name and i hope he's doing okay because also rainforest cafe in disneyland is closed <laughs> but so i i have to mention that off the top because yeah this this was a date my first date movie was war for the planet of the apes which okay if you've never seen this if you've never seen this movie just just so you know if okay go, tell them what it's about so they have so they have a better understanding all right so war is inevitable, right? War's happening. Yes. We're in the midst of an ape-human war. Gary Oldman, at the end of Dawn, put a call out to anyone that can come and rescue them from the apes. And uh, who who would answer that call but uh, the Colonel, as he's affectionately called. Not really affectionately, but he's, he's just called the Colonel, who's played by Woody Harrelson in this movie yeah so the the colonel who is a very like extreme uh very extremist uh almost like fascist uh fascist kind of guy almost like you could say like he feels like something right out of the alt-right basically yes um and just continuing that the apes movies have always had some type of political uh philosophies in them like they all all of them do you know, uh, so so if anybody who says otherwise, like they don't know what you're, they're talking about, but you know, so there's him, and just this is this is obviously all this is spoilers, but Caesar's um, wife Cornelia and his old eldest son uh, Blue Eyes are killed um, in this in this one like attack on their base, and this flips a switch in Caesar's mind where it's not about the preservation of this of his species or about protecting the species or finding a new home. It's about revenge. He wants revenge, and he feels like Koba at this point. And he even starts seeing flashes of Koba yes. as it plays out. So, essentially, Caesar, seeing himself slowly becoming what he hated about Koba. And so, he he breaks away from the pact uh, when they're trying to find a new home after they were invaded. And he, he takes Maurice with him takes rocket with him takes luca with him and essentially they're going on this journey to find the colonel and end his life or that's or that's caesar's goal maurice rocket luca are there to like protect him and possibly stop him from doing something stupid which you know when i first saw this movie i'm like this is gonna go disastrously wrong because who else is a leader in that group? No one. Because no one. <laughs> no one. It's just a bunch of nameless, other than like Lake, who is, you know, Blue Eyes' you know, like lady friend. And, you know, she's very nice. But like, I don't think she, I don't, I want to know what she's up to. Like, <laughs> does she have to lead the apes now? Is she the new savior for like five minutes before they get captured again? Because the apes do get captured. They get captured. They, they, they become like, uh, they become slave labor because the humans are building are building a wall, building a fortress to protect themselves from other humans who are looking to destroy them. So man, like 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 in the original film, like what they could kind of hint at the original film, man is destroying himself. Base or humans are destroying themselves. This is a screwed up situation because the the, the apes are just like, bro, we just want to we just want to vibe somewhere. We just man. we just, just want to live. Chill. We just want to chill. It, it literally turns into like a concentration camp. And you're just seeing them in these cages and, and freaking the, and freaking, you know, the Colonel 
just standing up above everyone, like shaving his head, like torturing people. It's especially when you get to that second half, when we finally get to that camp, it's, 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 it gets so like heartbreaking and sort of hard to watch. It's an intense movie. And I would say like with the other two movies, like, Rise for the Planet of the Apes, I think, is a movie like, you know, people have did things with PG-13 movies sometimes. And I think Rise is a, a safer one to show a kid, I feel like. Because you got the got the ape and there's some cute stuff mm-hmm. and there's action scenes and there's some intense moments. But overall, it's a fun movie. Yeah, Dawn is darker and also drops an F-bomb. But, you know, if you have like a more mature, like, you know, like preteen or something, maybe whatever i'm not telling anybody how to raise their kid right except for this one you do not show a child war for the planet of the apes this is not a children's film like there like there are like because people talk about like oh if you give something an r rating it's automatically more mature and i'm like i honestly think this is one of the more most mature like blockbusters i've ever seen like as far as just a thematic level because it, it is about these apes effectively in a concentration in like a slave camp yes and caesar caesar wants revenge like i think about this the 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 scene that always just bothers me is when is when they're they're sneaking into the base and uh there's a there's an albino gorilla named winter who betrays them yeah and they they kill winter and i think it's such a just gut-wrenching like like not that winter is like the most likable character but it but it but it comes from a point of caesar having such animosity and such anger towards him because he's the one that put the word out on where they are, which right. caused his yes. wife and son to die. And so initially they're just trying to muffle him, but Caesar like strangles him. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's not even something that I'm sure he intended, but it happens. And so like when he takes his hand off and you just, just see his like lifeless body just sort of like roll over, Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to see. It's it, yeah that that scene I I have to look away sometimes because that's that I mean there's a lot of stuff I have to lo- I have to like look away from you know um I, I just so many just heartbreaking gut like gut wrenching is is the is the word is really just the word to describe this thing um like there's scenes where Caesar's getting like tortured the he's, water he's getting, he, the water the bit. water that's what gets me when like it's freezing out and like you know they, it's like they finally are giving them food and then you think Caesar's getting something but they just splash water on him in the freezing cold oh yeah that that's hard to watch and it also helps does not like the special effects obviously look better than ever in this this time around i think about any like the scene where they they let him off of like the like the cross space like you know off off like the scarecrow stands which looks like another nod to the original films of course you know whatever and caesar falls down and you just see his body just like uh, and but you look at like the light being shown on him and that looks like a real actual like a a real ape's body a real ape that's on there and that's what that's what makes it like so visceral you know, it's just that that detail and the level of craft uh, being put into those visual effects. Again, like like I was saying earlier, like there's those trailers that they that they release, like showing the transformation of Andy Serkis becoming Caesar, just how like insane it was, and and just how little it looked like a CGI thing because of how well it was lit, but also how great it looks. It's it's it was it's unbelievable how good it looked yeah i think i think really like see like uh, andy circus and weta are at the height of their powers this time around mm. um i think about like caesar i almost think about i think about um characters like michael corleone 
than the Godfather movies, where you get to see sort of that transformation right. into who he, who he ultimately becomes. Um, so it, it's I think it's on par with that, honestly. Like he, but also like to Caesar is able to like you know be a good guy, like really a good guy at the end. But it's just like you get to see Caesar go to some pretty dark places, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, throughout throughout the movie, like even um, uh, during the the first half, which almost feels like uh, maybe it's just because the horses, but it has like a western vibe to it a bit. Yeah, but um, when uh, they go to the oh, but but it does feel like a sorry, I didn't interrupt, but like it does feel like a western. I think about when they find Nova and he shoots the one dude. Way he steps out of the the room, it looks it's like a Clint Eastwood like type of thing or like there's some parts where he's like looking around in like the room and he I feel like he's like a John Wayne type like he's got like this this like this strength about him mm-hmm. and this this like yeah I'm gonna put you down like kind of kind of attitude about Caesar you know I'm sorry to interrupt no no <laughs> but no like, like that's that is a good thing you said that because I was gonna talk about Nova when they get because um Nova to my knowledge is a is a big character in the in the original films right like, well, that's that. That's the that's the the, the leading lady, the like leading human lady in the first movie. Yeah, she's also in in the sequel. You know, she's the one human that Taylor gets to bond with after you know the loss of his um his comrades on the you know on the ship. I feel so bad for her. She had to be with Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to I had to say something. Um, no, you're, you're good. But but no, like um the character for this film Nova is. Um, this little girl that they find in that, in that sort of like that location, that like farm or wherever they're at, and um, you can definitely see this sort of change for Caesar because, you know, in the in the second movie, he, he very much is like trying to make peace with the humans, but after you know what happened with Woody Harrelson with the Colonel, um, he sees Nova and he doesn't he doesn't want her to come with them. Not even because she's a child, but because you can like any like I remember the scene when they're riding on the horses on the beach, and he can't help but like look and stare at her with with like somewhat of like a, an intensity as she's riding on Maurice's back. Maurice being the one that's like you know she can't we can't let her die, you know she has to come with us, and so you you can definitely see just in that one moment just how much anger he's gained from towards the humans because of all of this so it almost even even that feels like very much like a classic apes thing be, because of you know the animosity he has towards humans because of what they did to him and that and, and the little girl too is also very important because she um introduces a new development in the the simian flu yes which you know obviously we we initially hear in the second movie that it's like a thing that wiped out a good good chunk of humanity but with the people that are still alive some select people are getting affected by it so similar to what's happening happening with the apes who got smarter literally on the opposite side of it you know the humans are 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 having some sort of deterioration in their brain where they can't talk anymore or they can't you know they can't comprehend certain things um they they can't they can't speak but i i think part of that I was because I was thinking about this too because the colonel the colonel words this as like a regression yeah and like as far as like the, the yeah the ability to speak like to verbally speak is being taken away but I feel like that perspective is warped because well he's gonna he's gonna view he's gonna try to make it like the worst thing ever where Nova was able to learn sign language pretty quickly yeah it's 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 almost like but it it does kind of feel like sort of a a, 
a sort of regression of the self-awareness, but it's not like they're not getting dumb. No, no. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's just like another phase of this vi- this it's, virus. It, but it makes it worse. But she but she introduces that new factor, which becomes a major thing as the movie plays out. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, but also just to bring up the humans, um, what? How good is Woody Harrelson in this movie? Scary. <laughs> Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> terrifying is the is the appropriate is the appropriate word. I think he, as far as human like characters, I think he's the best human character that we've had in these movies since Taylor in the original Planet of the Apes film. I'm not gonna say my opinion on that. But <laughs> as, 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 as as at least as far as like interesting characters go, because okay. I don't think we've had that many interesting characters. And in this series, I mean, no one really stands out as far as like in the human camp of things. Like there's some people that are nice and some people that are, are played by very good actors. And, you know, but I feel like Woody what, Harrelson is his, really able. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's able to stand toe to toe with Andy Serkis on a performance level. That like the scene when, um, you know, He's in the he's in his like I guess his, his like war room essentially at the top of in the camp with Caesar like shackled and like trying to figure out you know who the colonel was. Damn, <laughs> like that's a great scene. Yeah. If if not like terrifying as hell, but it was a great scene. But it also just shows you like how how insane it how how insanely committed to this vision, um, the colonel is. Like he he doesn't have. He doesn't have regrets doing no. what he did. No, he. I mean, he he noticed that this whole new phase of the simian flu was coming about in 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 his own kid, and with with again with zero regret. Effectively, he killed his kid. Is what I'm. I'm not going to go into details about, it, but he did. And um, then then that sort of like in his mind set him on his mission, and to kill anyone that disagrees or gets in his way. And so then we, we meet him and his whole like death squad, this like his like stormtroopers again, very much like, you know, feels like Nazis or, you know, anything like that. And, you know, like I even think of like how they sort of have like a Viet, like a, like a, like they sort of twist the sort of Vietnam aesthetic where like, you know, you see like, in you know Vietnam War, like the helmets that soldiers wore, like were decorated or personalized a little bit. In this, yeah. you know, you, you it's very like anti ape um, rhetoric, like you know, die monkey die, you know, Kong is dead, all that stuff. A uh, bedtime for Bonzo, mm-hmm. um, like they even when they when they even like when they when they think they killed Caesar, they said they say things like King Kong is dead, yes, and giving him like sort of like a code name, um, you know. So it, that stuff like that really adds to the world of uh, of this of this universe um especially given that we don't have like elaborate costumes like we do in like the older planet of the apes movies mm-hmm. so it, it it really does um it does add some nice layers and it feels it feels so real mm-hmm. like this movie this movie it's it, it's just it's just startling like yeah. it, it's really startling how close it like it feels like something that could conceivably happen and again i think i do think i think about like um like with the alt right, also mm-hmm. just like the apes having to build a wall. Like we're gonna build a wall and have X country pay for it. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. Let, I'll let you fill in the blank. But yeah. Anyway, I thought you were talking to me. I was gonna be like, well, <laughs> I know you can fill in the blank. I know you're a don't, smart boy. Don't, don't tempt me because I'll fill that blank immediately. 
<laughs> but like, but like, yeah, they'll have like the apes, apes, uh, apes build that wall. Um, you, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, like again, and I know a lot of people were very disappointed in this movie because it wasn't. They thought it was going to be a war. Like oh, I mean, like in, like okay, infi- like Infinity War. How that movie is just fighting. Really? I, I you know what? I didn't actually hear a lot. Like the one um, thing I probably heard is like from somebody else um, was a friend of mine who had. Uh, I initially worked with him. He doesn't work at my work anymore, but he went and saw it after having seen all the other ones and um he came out and he was like like he literally his eyes were still like wet <laughs> like yeah. he was just like that w- what the hell it was so intense <laughs> i'm like yeah so but it's it's i guess it's surprising to learn that but i get i guess i get that but it's like these other movies weren't that heavy on the action no like dawn had some had maybe more action scenes than rise did but even then it wasn't like an overbearing amount no. i don't like i i remember the action set pieces but i remember more of like some of the conversation and dialogue stuff with a lot of these um a lot of the characters and all that like again i i think about um you know woody harrelson referencing all those like world leaders he's like i assu- I, I take it I, I i assume that you're not much of a reader <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like but also, we got to talk about obviously um, Maurice in this. Uh, Maurice is is lovely, and there's that scene at the end that it breaks my heart every time, when, where Caesar's you know about about to die, and he's just like you know I, I'll make sure I, he basically tells him I'm gonna I'll let I'll let your son know I'll tell your son who his father really was kind of thing, and it, uh, it's such a beautiful moment. And Rocket is great. Rocket has some fun. Ro- Rocket has one of my. Uh, one of the only times I'm okay with a bodily um, excrement fluid type thing. He flings poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, fl- he flings poop. He flings poop at um, someone's face, and um, it help. You know what? It helps. It helps save lives. It 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 did. And flinging that poop say- helps save lives. <laughs> there was also that one ape that looked like it, that was just kind of vibing there. And he, he helps out, but he just, he's just kind of there. <laughs> he's just staring at him. He's like, did you do this? And then <laughs> he's like, Ugh. and then it's Rocket. Just like, but Luca, Luca. Oh, the flower bit. The flower, the flower bit. When, the fl- when, when he puts the flower on um, Nova's ear. Mm, that was great. Speaking of, speaking of that, um, there's one character we definitely have to talk about because this is a heavy movie. And sometimes you need a bit of levity, a little bit, a little bit of humor, a little bit of lightheartedness, just to, you know, help with how intensely dark this movie can get. Um, we have a new ape named Bad Ape, played wonderfully by Steve Zahn. He is excellent. He's in this movie. What a wonderful character! Ah, oh, so good. Like. He he's he's like a regular chimpanzee, but he's lost a lot of his hair, and so like whenever they have to go out in the cold, he has to wear a hat and his like big old vest, and um, he he talks pretty well. I mean, he talks about as well as Caesar did in in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Where at this point, Caesar's able to just talk fluently and be fine. Like he's he's developed speech very very well, and so when he finally sees Bad Ape, um, 
for the first time and he's like surprised like you you learned to talk and he's like mm-hmm yeah <laughs> i guess so <laughs> and like that's how he got that's how he gets his name because he was constantly being called a bad ape so he assumed that's his name is bad ape and, but but he is he has some great fun <laughs> little moments. moments yeah oh no <laughs> like, yeah like that whole bit when maurice is like get on my back oh no oh no he just like roars at him he's like <gasps> he's had this wide expression on his face <laughs> okay <laughs> or or when he has the, binoc- the binoculars <laughs> oh, God. they're like they're so far away <laughs> Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or I love I love the bit when they when they finally get dig the hole out and like he's standing on his back and his head just peeks out. And he's like he's like oh, <laughs> it's just, that's great. It's just something so like kind of adorable about that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is that is pretty great. I mean, he he's definitely a major part of this, and I'm glad. I'm really glad he's he's there, like, because th- I think this would have been too much. Like, if there was if there was no bad ape, this I, I would have been hard, especially because it's two, it's two hours and twenty minutes of just like really intense stuff. So you're you, if you don't have a character like that to sort of break things up a little bit and just make you laugh every now and then, amongst all the 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 trauma and drama, it would have made the movie probably unwatchable to a degree <laughs> i'm also gonna i want to mention um uh the red donkey um basically they have like you know the humans have like sort of these ape like slaves that they call donkeys mm-hmm. uh the red red donkey uh is is a, is a really good interesting character um in this who go who has an interesting little little mini arc yeah like he was he was one of koba's followers by the end of the movie and so he he doesn't see caesar the same way most of the other apes do and when we initially meet him he's very much like i don't know if he's necessarily like for humans he's he's more or less like against caesar and so like he has the the alpha omega brand on his head which is the name of the 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 colonel's squad because they have a big old a and then the omega signs alpha omega Mm -hmm. just assuming right on uh their back it says in like chalk or whatever donkey and um he he essentially dishes out the majority of like the torture to caesar when he's in the when he's in the camp it's like he's he's strung up and he gets the water thrown on him by red donkey um but but he does have a nice moment at the end of the move at the towards the end of his own like story essentially yeah um, and I think it was it was it was appropriate. Also, I just want to say, um, Mike Michael, I think it was a is it Giacchino? How you pronounce his name? Or... Michael Giacchino, yeah, who does the score for both this and Dawn. And I liked the score. I mean, I also said I liked Patrick Doyle's score, but I also liked his score in these two movies because again, they feel more like Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. So it has like that 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 sort of mysterious quality and like some of the drums and certain sequences, like even like how they changed the 20th Century Fox like fanfare. It was, that that was be- that was beautiful, yeah. And this this movie has has a has I, I, has a great it's it, it ends it's a great ending. Like, and how, how many trilogies can you say like end this well? End this well, and you know, even well into the third installment, you still are you still care so much about everyone. You care about Caesar, Maurice, Rocket, Luca, Buck in the first movie, 
Um, and even like when new characters are introduced, like Blue Eyes or um, Bad Ape, Bad Ape, Nova, who I I will go on record to say that Nova, again, not this is also coming from the perspective of not having been all that familiar with the other ones. I have seen the first Planet of the Apes movie, and that's pretty much it. Um, as far as like prequel naming which is such a thing for some reason these days. Like, obviously, Han Solo comes to mind, because in his movie, mm-hmm. he was asked, what's your name? Han, you're by yourself. Yeah, I have no people. Well, I'm going to call you Solo. Ha 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 ha. Moving on. Um, so, <laughs> um, but with her, um, her name comes from... Um, Bad Ape had this like trinket that came off a Chevy Nova car, and she keeps trying to take it, and then he and then he keeps going like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. And then eventually he like they're like getting ready to leave, and he's like, no, I don't want you to leave. So he get he's like, here, you you keep it. And then and what a, and like a really touching scene towards the end of the movie, um, uh, Nova asks Maurice if she's an ape, and obviously he doesn't want to like crush her spirit or anything, so he just goes, you are Nova. And and it, it, and it's one of the and again one of two prime like prime moments that Maurice actually speaks, the first being yes. when in the fir- in, in Dawn when he goes, run, <laughs> yep, and then in this one um, when he names her he goes Nova, Nova, I like it when when, when and he he called her brave mm-hmm. and like that that was really nice and like he has a good connection with like kids and I think part of that's because like if I'm not mistaken Maurice was a circus. Was like in this was like involved with like a circus at one point. Okay. Um. So I imagine that like you know he 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 saw a lot of kids, and it's probably like the one like humans that he probably connected with because it's like, you know they weren't like he was he wasn't like mistreated to the point like Koba was, but like you know being in the circus is not exactly like the best life for for an ape. Yeah. You know. Um. So you like like with um Cody. Was it Cody Smith McPhee yeah. or whatever his name was? Like he connects with him in in Dawn, and even more so with Nova in this movie. Um, you know, uh, but th- these movies though, like I, I this viewing of them, it made me realize like because like the first the first film, I don't know if it was that political. It was more about like animal rights mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which is something that the Apes movies touched on, but they're way more political in the older ones. I I would say it it's it felt more like you know. I don't. I don't really know what the right word is, but it, it felt more of its time. And okay. It felt yeah, more like yeah. it was comment. It felt more like it was commenting on current events. These these the two movies, the Dawn and uh, War. But I think when you put all three of them together, it really is is like because people bring up like the Dark Knight trilogy as a great like example of a trilogy of movies. You know, when, how to reboot a character, how to reintroduce a character, and I think like Planet of the Apes is is another is the other great example of that. You know, I can't, I, there's not too many other reboots that I can think of that are amazing, as amazing as, say, like, the Dark Knight trilogy and, like, the Planet of the Apes trilogy, as far as reboots of a franchise are concerned. On a kind of a sadder note, you don't hear about it enough. No, like, I feel like you hear, like, oh, it was great, and Andy Serkis was fantastic, and then it's like, it's It's literally just, like, you know, white noise from that point on. It's, it's... It's it sort of become this sort of underrated darling, I think, you know, because, again, I don't ever hear about it. And so whenever whenever it gets brought up, though, I, I get so excited. I'm like, oh, my God, like Caesar, Maurice, Rocket. Oh, 
because it's able to create like a whole its own like really nice cast of characters that you care about you care about everything you care you care about pretty much everyone you care about everything and everyone it's what they're well made they're entertaining and they got something to say yeah you know and, and like there's a lot of movies we talk about that are that are really fun right yeah like we, th- we think about like clash of the titans and jason the argonauts that are just like fun movies you know they're really entertaining like batman 89 fun movie superman movie fun movie but it's like you know sometimes it's nice to see like a blockbuster take a moment to say we got something to say and that's always like i think some of the best science fiction is something that is commenting in a way on whether it's something of the time or something that is of all time you know what i mean you know like yeah. like people talk about avatar and, and how it you know it's sort of like on the nose talks about like nature and and you know taking care of the planet and stuff and um but it's an important thing and it's something that is applied to the story and so in in the case of this movie they talk about you know obviously all types of different things like they talk about what it means to be a to be anything like to be someone and what it means you know obviously we talk about there's political things there's there's conversations about race there's conversations about um you know a pandemic oddly enough and in 2014 it happened to have this conversation for crying out loud um and it 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 brings up a lot of points that you know no one really talks about and so i think for a very long time you know if people if more people watch these movies you know they'll see just how important in a lot of ways they are while also being just great movies yeah um i'm glad i'm glad we decided to to do this uh to talk about these three movies it needed to be done because because i it's hard to pair them with something else um and just to talk about them as a whole because you need that whole story of caesar all together i'm glad uh that i could do it with you Folks, um, uh, what's your favorite Andy Circus character? What are your favorite like motion capture movies? What are your favorite like what do you have, do you like these new Planet of the Apes movies? Um, and how excited are you to see the Batman by Matt Reeves also starring Andy Circus? I am very excited. <laughs> I am also very excited. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Plus, forward plus, to it. Al, plus, he's playing your favorite Alfred. Alfred matters. Yeah, I, I, now I, I just. Uh, but can we also mention, too, that the director of Venom 2 and one of the stars of Venom 2 <laughs> were both very good in War for the Planet of the Apes? Yes, yes, we can. Great. I'm glad we can end it there. So, remember, folks, Letterbox, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out to John and Kenny Armstrong. You both are lovely, lovely, lovely individuals. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We're going to be talking about mysteries involving a bird and a bunny. Stay tuned.